Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Recently, my family went to uh, 131 Main, which is a restaurant down the street here. Uh, Have you ever had a great restaurant experience? You just kind of know, right? Like like you know uh, what, what it's like because they know what you need before you need it. It's like they anticipate everything that, that you need, right? And so they bring you water, they fill up your drink, they, uh, they do things without you even having to ask them. They know what you need before you need it. You're greeted and you're seated and you barely, just, you barely have to ask for anything. And, and uh, it's a great experience. That's how you know you're in a, in a really good restaurant. You've also had bad restaurant experiences, right? Uh, we will not name names, but um, the bad ones, the bad ones, it's like they forget you're there. They don't acknowledge you. They, they don't even look your way. You have to call attention to yourself. Your drink gets empty. The food is slow or cold. And uh, we've all had those experiences as well. You know, um, we rate service at things in our minds and, and out loud too. We rate service at restaurants and at the gym and at the auto shop and at the bank and at the coffee shop and at Target and Walmart and school. And we, we, we sort of rate these places based on the level of service that we get. And it makes sense, right? We're not gonna go back to somewhere where we're spending money and the service is bad. That's just part of our world. That's part of our, our experience. And uh, this is not just a current day thing. This has been happening ever since we began to sell things to one another, right? Like ever since in the world we began to sell things back and forth to each other. We rate experiences in the world based on how well we are served, don't we? Like we rate experiences based on how well we are served. And, and like I said, we should because we're spending money, we're, we're, we're spending our time, we're spending our, our, our effort. But um, th- there's a problem here, and, and I want us to talk about this today. Like, the, the problem becomes this, when we begin to have that bleed over into other areas of life, not just things that we're paying for, but when, for, for instance, when we begin to have that mentality where we're rating things based on how well we're served into, say, your, your most important relationships, right? Your most important, and, and we can tend to do this to one another. Did they, did they cook, right? Did they take out the trash? Were they nice to me? Did they speak to me when I came in the door? Did they give me a nice Christmas present? Now, there's a lot of give and take in relationships. There's give and take, but when we, we, we tend to only rate relationships like we rate restaurants, that could be a problem. I don't have to tell you that. It's not rocket science. That can become um, a, a problem. Now, uh, we do this with church too, right? Like, like, like how, about, how about church? Um, how well did it serve me? Sometimes we ask that question. How well did it serve me? How was the message? You know, uh, uh, you'll talk about that maybe later today, and it might be just kind of all right, right? How was worship? And, and we love to say that, and, and sometimes you'll have the conversation, oh, worship, it was, you know, it was just all right for me today, or it was, it was bad today. And when people say that, I'm like, well, um, we weren't worshiping you, right? So, I mean, like, how do you know if it's bad or if it's, if it's good? But it's so easy 
to be me-centered in, in everything in life. It's so easy to let that creep into places in our lives that aren't just places that we pay for services, but into relationships and into our spiritual life. And, and we let this often define what we will do or what we won't do, what our experience is going to be like. And, and if you think this is a new thing, it's not. I have a story to share with you about that today. So this series is called Jesus um, Up Close, and we're talking about what it looks like to draw close to Jesus and, and know him as opposed to knowing a lot about him. And, and we're doing that by going through the book of John. And, and we're talking about uh, where, where John basically is an older guy when he writes this, this gospel, his gospel. And he basically says, hey, um, I want you to know Jesus for who he really is. I want you to know him for who he really is. I want you to draw close to him. So we have some resources for you. Um, one of them is called Digging Deeper. And um, we, we, that's on our website. One of them is a reading plan, and one of them is um, a John journal. I just got to take a deep breath because sometimes I, I get a little, I get a little anxious. I get a little, <laughs> a little bit of anxiety, and and so I got to take a deep breath. Um, John is asking this question. He's asking this question throughout the whole book, and the the, the question he's asking is this: What is love? What is love? It's not just that song that you hear that's going through your head right now. What is love? Right. Um, <laughs> What is love? And he asks and he answers that question over and over and over through his gospel. Now, last week we talked about John chapter 12 and how Jesus um, was, was stepping into the city of Jerusalem and the tensions were high and the Pharisees were angry and they were afraid. And Jesus is, is coming in and, and they're angry and they're afraid because these religious leaders see that he's taking his, his, uh, like, like their people and their power away. And, and they're thinking Rome isn't going to like this very much. And, and so they're thinking he's coming to lead a rebellion. And he's coming to take their financial kind of place. And, and Jesus comes into the town and he's riding on a donkey. He's riding on a donkey, and, and what that signifies is that if you're a king, I said this last week, and you ride in on a horse, that signifies war, like that king is bringing war. But when a king brings a donkey, like he rides it on a donkey, you know what he's bringing? He's bringing peace. He's bringing peace. And so Jesus rides in on a donkey, and the people start waving these palm branches, and they start shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is this political statement they're making that here comes our here comes our king, but Jesus is looking around and he's saying, there's so many selfish desires uh, that, that, that we have in place. And he sees the selfish desires causing issues with the Pharisees. He sees the selfish desires that cause issues with his opponents, but he's also seeing the selfish desires of um, his followers, of his followers. And he's coming in and he's saying this, I'm not here to make Jewish law better. Like I'm not here to make this religion a little bit better. I'm shifting everything. And in this story, we see it happening. So, so, so here's how it begins. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, his disciples had found this room up in a house. It's called the upper room, and they had found this place for them to have dinner together. And, and these tensions were so 
high, but they were coming to celebrate Passover. And Passover was when uh, uh, the, the Jews came together in Jerusalem. They, they, they flocked in from everywhere to celebrate that they had been set free, that, that uh, their freedom from Egypt, from Egyptian slavery back in the Old Testament, and that, and that through Moses, you know, he stood up and he said, let my people go. And, and so they were coming back every year to celebrate this, and it's called the Passover feast. And so Jews from everywhere were coming around. And, and so his disciples gather together and they find this little place for dinner. And, and John says this, he says, Jesus loved his own, and then he decided he was going to love them to the, to the end. In, in other words, he's going to show them, in some verses, versions it says, he's, he shows them the full extent of his love. Jesus wanted to show them the full extent of, of, um, of his love. Let me ask you this, how, how do you show people that you love, that you love them? How, how, how do you show that, the, the people that you love the most, how much you, you love them. Jesus is about to show his friends how much he loves them. And so it, it says then, it says that during the supper, um, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and he, he took a towel and he tied it around his waist. And here's what he did. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I don't know if you caught it at the very beginning of that passage, it says that um, the devil had put into the heart of Judas this time to betray Jesus. You know, John is saying this, and the first thing I want to say here today is this. John is saying that evil has a name. We tend to think that evil is just this general, generic kind of thing. John is saying that, that evil has a name. That it's not just this general sense, but it's this personal being who motivated Judas to betray Jesus. And so all that happens, John kind of alludes to that. And then he says this, he says that Jesus knew that everything from God was in his hands. Everything that was from God, God had put in his hands. All power, God had placed in Jesus' hands. Now, let, could I ask you, what would you do if all power from God was placed in your hands? If you knew that? You ever see uh, Bruce Almighty? Okay, so the movie, Bruce Almighty, go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, what does he do when all of the power of God, or at least some of it, is placed in his hands? He, uh, he goes back and defeats a street gang that had been picking on him. Uh, he goes and impresses his girlfriend, and then he goes and gets his old job back. Like, those are the things that, that, that he does. And, and I'm thinking, me, I would do the same thing, right? I would want to, like, shoot lightning from my fingers or whatever. You know, if I've got the full power of God, what would you do? What would you do? Jesus says, I've, I've got the full power of God that's been given to me. And so here's what I'm going to do. He goes to the, the, the basin that was by the door. And there's a pitcher there of water. Now, here, here's the interesting thing. Culturally, when, when in Jewish culture, when you had a meeting or a gathering or a dinner, there would be a servant of the house who would come and that servant would uh, wash everybody's feet. As you might know, everybody's wearing sandals, okay? And in the town of Jerusalem, uh, it, it is very dirty and very messy and probably very muddy, and there's animals everywhere, okay? And, and so I don't have to paint that picture anymore for you, do you? They're walking through all kinds of things. And so culturally, what would be traditional would be that a servant would come and clean everybody's feet, and that was the lowest job of the low. You couldn't get any lower than that. And so Jesus sits, and he watches the disciples file into this upper room one by one 
by one, and every single one of them walks right past, thinking a servant's going to do that for us. Or maybe somebody else is going to do that for us, but it isn't going to be me. And so I think Jesus, I, I picture him almost sitting, watching all that happen, watching everybody pass up an opportunity to serve his brother. And I think he sighs, and he goes to the table, and he picks up the pitcher, and, 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 and as he does that, the room just goes completely still, completely quiet. He pours the water in, and he takes a towel, maybe he puts it over his arm, and he kneels down at their feet, and he begins one by one by one as the room is completely still to wash their feet. All the power of God is in his hand. This is the first thing that he does. I have a hard time even uh, receiving that, even believing that, right? Like I, have a, I have a hard time understanding that. I have a hard time understanding that that's who God is at his very center, at his very core, and yet Jesus is saying, I have all the power of God in me. I'm going to do the first thing that God does. I'm going to serve you by washing your feet. You know whose feet he washed? Even Judas. Even the feet of Judas. He knows exactly what's happening. Jesus does. He knows exactly what Judas is getting ready to do. And he goes and he washes Judas' feet. It's amazing. Um, if you want to know what God's like, and I feel like we, we just do, right? Like that's one of the reasons you're here. You want to know what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. It is in God's nature to be a servant. It's in his nature to be a servant. And sometimes that, that, that seems too good to be true. In fact, he, he gets all the way around the table, and then he gets to Peter. And, and, and you know, Peter's always got something to say. And he's always thinking about something, and he's always kind of aggressive. He's always putting himself out there, which is why we love him, and also why he just says dumb things sometimes. He gets to Peter, and Peter goes, you're not washing my feet. Like, no way. I, I, I get what you're doing, but, but, but I'm not going to let you do that. I, I, I can't allow you to serve me like that. Are you, ever, are you somebody or maybe you know somebody who just does not like for you to do something nice for them? Or maybe when you feel like someone's serving you, it's awkward, isn't it? It's just awkward. And so Peter gets to this point where he's like, I don't want to feel awkward. I don't want to put you in that place. And all those things that he begins to think of. And Jesus basically says to him, hey, um, if, if I don't let you do this, if, if you don't let me do this, I, I have no place with you. You have no place with me. If you don't let me do this, if you can't accept me doing this. And so, so then Peter's like, oh, okay, well, well, watch all of me then. Watch all of me then. And to that, Jesus is like, just calm down. You don't need that. But what he's saying is this, if you can't accept me doing this for you, how are you going to accept the cross in a few days? If you don't accept me doing this for you, how can you get in the right kind of position in your heart and in your life to accept what I'm getting ready to do on the cross for, for you? If you want to know what God's like, um, look at Jesus. And so, uh, the, the, the story continues, and he says this, when, when he'd washed their feet, 
and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? Like, do you, do you get it? Are, are you getting this? Are you seeing this? Do you see this example that I'm setting for you? It was so important to Jesus that they got this moment, that they understood what was happening because he was teaching them something. He says this, he says, you've um, called me, yeah, you call me teacher and Lord and, and, and you're right, for so I am. But then he says this in 15, if I then, your Lord and teacher, like I'm up here, if I'm your Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. It's interesting, um, we're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes, the, the Lord's Supper, and uh, they, they, they never instituted foot washing. Are you glad about that? They never instituted foot washing as something like the Lord's Supper, but he says, do this. You, you should do just as I have done to you. Uh, like the early church decided, we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, we're going to celebrate um, baptism. And, and, and they never instituted this as a, as a regular thing. But I think the reason for that is that the, the point is not washing someone else's feet. The point is serving to that level. Like, like, like getting on your, on your hands and knees sometimes and scrubbing the floor without being asked, doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. Jesus is setting that example because he's turning things upside down. Like he's taking the whole world and he's turning it upside down. He's saying, hey, you look at the wealthy, you look at the royalty, you, look, you, you dream, you guys dream of having servants do things for you. You ever dreamed about that? Man, if I had a house full of servants... We don't have to do anything. He's like, you dream about that, but I tell you, if you want to be close to God, Jesus is saying, serve somebody else. You want to be close to God? He's not sitting around having servants wait on him. Serve someone else. And he's flipping everything on its, on its head about how the world works. And he's saying, I'm actually setting it right side up. And so the story kind of moves on. Peter, um, Peter, Peter says, hey, uh, he leans over to Jesus and they're kind of reclining at this table. He says, who's going to betray you? Who, who's going to betray you? And, and Jesus says, the, it's going to be the one that I hand this piece of bread to. I'm going to dip this bread in some, in some wine. I'm going to hand it to someone. And, and even the act of, of him dipping the bread and handing it to someone was an act of honor. Like you did that to honor someone. And Jesus, even in that moment, I think Jesus is trying to win Judas back. Like there's a part of him that, that Jesus is just, he's trying to win him back. And, and so, so he says, it's the one that I'm going to hand this piece of bread to. And he hands it to Judas and Judas immediately, um, Jesus says, Get, whatever you're going to do, do quickly. And Judas gets up and leaves the room. I quote that verse occasionally to my kids, especially when they were little, like, when they needed to do something and they weren't doing it fast enough. Um, whatever you do, do it quickly. Um, but Jesus says it to Judas, and Judas goes off into the night, and we catch up with him a little later. A little later. But, but um, Jesus brings it full circle, and he says, I am introducing something new. I'm introducing something new. In fact, there was a place in one of the other Gospels where Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? 
What's, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, somebody asked him, can you take all the commandments in the Old Testament, can you take the 10 commandments and everything that Moses was given and, 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 and drill it down into something simple for us? And he said, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And, and, and then he said, there's another one that's just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, on, on those two commandments, everything hinges. But now, he actually takes that a step further. He actually takes it a step further and he drills all of this down into one command. It's as if he's saying, hey, if you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, here's how you do it. Here's, here's what he says, and on to verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you. And it's like all the others fit under this one. All of the others fit under this one. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he says this, is amazing. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He boils everything down to this one commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. How did he love? How did he love? He loved with, um, with sacrifice. He loved with sacrifice. He loved with humility. With humility. He loved with gentleness. And he loved with patience. How are you loving today? Like, like what, is, what does love look like in your world? I would say, if you want to love like Jesus, let's start it by beginning to look, at, look like those things. Sacrifice and humility and gentleness and, and, and patience and so many other things. But then he goes on to say this. He says, this is how everybody's going to know about me. Like, you want to know the, the strategy. This is how everybody's going to know about about me. You want to reach people around you? Love one another as I have loved you. He says, then all people will know that you're my disciples. This is how you love. Jesus is telling us this is how you love, okay? Um, so everybody take your shoes off and turn to your neighbor. <laughs> you know, uh, if, if you want to be somebody who's admired, you want to be somebody who is sort of seen as this incredible person? I, I would give you this advice. Lead with your accomplishments. Tell people about what you've done. Tell people about what you do. And they will say, isn't he impressive? Isn't she uh, impressive? What, a, what, a, what an incredible person. If you, if you want to be somebody who's admired, lead with your strengths, right? Lead with your uh, accomplishments. If you want to be somebody who's loved, lead with your weakness. Lead in humility. Lead with your weakness because that's when people lean in. I, I, it's just when people lean in. Isn't that true? It's true of me. I know that when I, if I'm listening to somebody speak even and I hear them talk about all their things that they've done or doing, I'm like, oh, that's great. They're a very impressive person. If they start sharing a story about their weakness, 
or their struggle or their, their issues or their um, anxiety or their sin or their whatever, I lean in because then I'm like, oh, they're just like me. You want people to love you well. Um, lead from humility and, and, and weakness. And so Jesus was like, I don't want you just to um, admire me. I'm inviting you to love me. This is why he came, to connect with us on the earth, to live the life and to walk in our shoes in in ways that we could never do, but ways that we can connect with and relate to. He led with humility and and, and servanthood and, and, and sacrifice. And that is a great reason to love him. Like, it's a great reason to lean in and to love him. So um, I have an assignment for you today, all right? And this assignment for me is an assignment for you. Your assignment, you get one thing today for me, like one bottom line, one assignment, and it's this. Be the first. Be the first. And here's what I mean by that. Be the first to um, pick up the trash, Don't ask somebody if you need to do it, just do it. Be the first to take someone else's lunch tray back in the lunchroom. Be the first to put up a a chair. Be the first to do the laundry. Be the first to clean up. Be the first to say, I'm sorry. Don't wait. Don't wait for the other one to do it first. Be the first one to, to, to sacrifice, because when you become the first, that helps you become the least. Like, be the first to become the least. Be the first one to do those things. Let that uh, begin to be a part of your character. I'm going to be the first one, even if no one's doing it. I'm going to be the first one to go pick up that trash. I'm going to be the first one to step in. I'm going to be the first one to s- step in and serve. I'm not going to wait for someone else to do it. Let that become a part of you. Let that become a part of your character. Don't wait to be prompted. Don't do it to prove a point. All right? Don't do it to be seen. Like, don't do it so they'll see you do it. Like, I hope, I hope she saw what I did for her. I hope she saw that I took out the trash. I mean, we, we do that, right? Like, it's so pathetic. But we really do it. I do it too. I mean, I do it. Just decide to be the first. Because when you do that, when you do that, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, guess what? You're starting to become a lot like Jesus. And that's a pretty amazing thing. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.